Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. This show is for socially conscious leaders, entrepreneurs, CEO founders that have found success, but they yet they don't have the ideal life that they would like. And what we're going to do is bring in concepts and systems so that we can increase business with millions of additional revenue while lowering our work hours, ideally below 40 hours a week. We call this more business, more life. And it's an and, not an or. We don't have to have either or. We can actually systemize this to have both. And those are the concepts we're going to come with each episode. Sometimes we might talk a little bit more about business, sometimes more life, most of the time, both. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Okay, welcome to More Business, More Life. Today we're going to talk about the benefits of diversity, equity, and inclusion in creating more business, more life. And yet we're also going to touch on how more business and more life can lead to more diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is a vicious cycle, but how do you create the life you want? Take some action and impact your community. So welcome. So today, this is a favorite topic of mine. I want to talk a little bit about embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but in a maybe a different context. So I'd love to get you all to kind of talk about your perspectives. And as you know, I spend some time talking about digital infrastructure and opportunity zones and what the impact looks like on marginalized communities, which could include like social determinants of health and all of those wonderful things. But a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and the principles of them. And that they're essentially, it's not just a social responsibility. It is a strategic imperative for business. And so when I'm really interested in hearing from you all on how fostering diversity, equity, and inclusion can lead not only to more business and more professional growth and community benefits, but really a more fulfilling life. So we are all about more business and more life here. And so I'd love to hear if you all have thoughts on how it can fuel not only the business, but the life. When I think, Melissa, you and I have talked about this quite a bit over the years. You know, just to kind of kick off of that, it's like, I always look at it as lifting everyone up. A lot of times people look at it and, and it feels like a lot of the conversations are a little lopsided. Like, okay, what does the company have to do? Like even that, right? Like there's some people that are in that frame. And then even when they're really consciously active, then they're still looking at, okay, what do we need to do with our numbers? And it can be like very number centric, especially on the recruiting side and different things. But I have always felt in my heart, it's about lifting up all people. How do we help folks grow with inside themselves? I I believe we all have our own personal power. And I think sometimes the way that we grow up, well, more than sometimes, I think a lot of times the way that we grow up and, and the area that we're in, you sometimes lose that because there is that like, oh, well, it would be nice to live that way, but I grew up here, so I can't like those mindset things. And and I know this might be like radically different than how other people talk about it, but how do you change that? Because the reality is we all have personal choices. However, we all need help. It's really hard to look in the mirror. And even, even for myself, I can, I can talk from my own personal experience to look in the mirror and say, you got this. Like we can do that, but sometimes you know you're lying to yourself. You're like looking in the mirror, you're like, yeah, right. Yeah. 
brings me to a story that I told you before, Melissa, but I was speaking, uh, I think it was in Philadelphia. I did an event and it was for young men. They were bringing people from inner city and people that needed help that didn't come from areas that were lifted up very well or, or often. And so they were brought in and people sponsored a bunch of tickets for a bunch of youth to come in from the city of Philadelphia. And then after the speech, this young man came up to me and he said, it's great what you're talking about and great for everyone else, but I'm Mexican. And what's interesting, I have to back up a step. It's interesting, like right at that time, and this is like many years ago, but I was in the airport and I just saw like a magazine cover and Carlos Slim actually went to the number one wealthiest person in the world that week. He's been up there. I think he's always, he's been in the top five for many, many years, or I don't know where he stands now today, present day, but that week he was the, the wealthiest man in the world and coming from Mexico. And so then at that moment, and I just caught that somehow that came to me, right? Talk about coincidence or so then I fly into Philadelphia. I do the speech this young man comes back to me and he says, that's all great, but I'm Mexican. And then I said, oh, so you don't know Carlos Slim. And he's like, well, who's that? And I said, oh, he's the, he's the richest man in the world. Oh, okay. Well, what does that have to do with me? And I said, well, he's Mexican. And I don't know where it was. I think I looked a little bit more at the history. I think Carlos Slim's family is Lebanese, I think, but they immigrated to Mexico. But oh, I think in 2022, they were the 15th wealthiest country in the world out of like 200 and whatever it is, like almost 300 countries. People always talk so bad about Mexico, but they are a wealthy country. I think Giovanni just put Mexico is on the rise. And, and, but I think actually, if you look, there was some video on YouTube that I watched just, just a couple of minutes, but they've been in the top for a long time. I'm talking a long, long time. If you go in the top 20 countries. So in back to this point, it's a mindset, like a big thing. And I think it's a missing component that a lot of people don't discuss is like, how do we lift the mindsets up? So it's not just about giving jobs to marginalized people. Now we have to be conscious of what we're doing and how are we doing it. And a lot of times subconsciously, subconsciously, we are making decisions based on what we grew up with and we're not conscious. Of it. So bringing this awareness is important because then we can realize what level of consciousness we have. And it's not just race, it's also women and men and so many different things. Like a, a great example, and then I'm going to, I want everyone else to chime in too, but I, I just want to bring these quick topics up to kind of kick this off. I was watching a speaker and I forget her name now. I, I would want to give her credit, but I think other people say it in different ways. So I, I don't know if she invented this story. I'll have to look it up. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes here, but she gets on stage and she says, I want to tell you a story. A boy is playing outside and he falls down and, and breaks his head open, like bleeding everywhere. And his dad grabs him and takes him to the hospital. So he's driving with his dad and they're holding the towels on his head and it's a bad cut, but it looks like he's okay, but it's big. So, and then they're getting him to ER and they rush him in and his dad's right there. And then they're like, okay, we're going to have to, we're going to have to operate they figure out that you're going to have to like stitch us up and a little bit more because it's a pretty good gash. And so then they tell the dad, you're going to have to wait here, the boy in there. And then the, the surgeon comes out and as they come in into the surgery room where the, the boy is, they see the boy and they say, I can't operate. That's my son. 
and then what goes on in your mind right away. And just think about it. I don't know if you've if you've heard me say this before. I know Melissa has because I think Melissa I told you the story. But when you first hear this story, many people they go, "How is that possible? How is that possible? The dad's outside." But it was the mom. And we all know, I've had female doctors. How many of us have had female doctors, right? And then we still have this thing at a quick response. So it's like the first thing you think of, did you even get a little bit confused? Even if it was just for a minute and then you realize, oh, it could be the mom or or maybe it's two dads. Like, who knows? Like, it could be all kinds of things, right? But what went in your head if were you confused? And if that is is the case, then you're already thinking that a doctor is supposed to be a man. And that's the way maybe you grew up. Depends on your age too, right? Like obviously these things are changing as society's changing. But so that's a, a test of what you could call unconscious or subconscious bias. So being aware of that. And then this, for me, the second thing is what I started with is mindset. And I think that's the big thing that's being overlooked not by everyone. There are definitely people helping in this on the psychology side, but we need a, a big portion. And this is where my art is, is lifting people up so that they empower themselves. Because I think we're all empowered to change if we choose it, and then, but we don't always choose it. I don't know if this is way off from where you wanted to go, but in that, then we choose. Because more business, more life is a choice in itself, right? Are you going to work really, really hard and sacrifice all of your life. And that is the thing, right? That's the story, right? Inner city kid grinds it out. I've heard the story over and over and over. Their work ethic is, and that's amazing, right? I'm not even knocking it. Like if that's you, go do it. And that's what you want to do. But then also then a lot of times it doesn't go away. I come from immigrant family and they were not popular. Some of my family changed their name when they came to New York because they couldn't even get jobs with an Italian last name. And I know those stories. I I was with my grandparents before they passed away. I know what they went through. I heard the stories. I heard how much it hurt them. I guess I didn't firsthand, but I was that was my family and I heard those stories. And they went through that and they worked really, really hard. And I had to work on myself because this is where things go generational. We, I started acting like my grandparents, even though I'm not having the same situations as them. And how many people in inner cities are doing what their dad did and their grandfather did and their mom did and their grandmother did. And this is also part of this story that I don't think is talked about enough. Yeah, those are amazing points. I mean, specifically, I think the implicit bias that you're talking about where you just kind of subconsciously do what you've been kind of taught to do. Your subconscious has been taught to do. And it is really about mindset and intention. But I think the other thing that sits on the other side of that is being able to see people succeed so that you realize it's possible. Yeah. That representation, that little boy being able to go, oh, Carlos lives, he's Mexican. It's like, oh, it's possible, right? It just allows people to see things that's kind of why representation matters so much, because you can see that it's possible. It's the Roger Bannister story over and over again. For those that don't know, Roger Bannister is the first human to run a mile in less than four minutes. And 
at that time, doctors were saying he was going to die. Like they were telling him, if you continue to push your body like this, your heart will explode. Actually, that was the advice he's given. And he's like, no, I'm doing this. And he did it. And I don't remember what month he pulled that off, but I know, let's just say it was like mid-year or sometime that year. But I do know this, before the end of that year, 19 other people did it. To your point, Melissa, once they see one person do it, then we're like, oh, it is humanly possible. And then they, and then others follow. And now there's kids in high school that can run a four minute mile or less. One time that was like, no, that's not even humanly possible. Your heart will explode, doctors said, you know? So I'm with you. And then that's what helps town to town, right? So if someone's coming out of Philadelphia or they're coming out, whatever city you want to say, Detroit or wherever you're coming out of, or it could be some farm town, like in the middle of nowhere, like some country kid that you never thought could make it. And then you could. Absolutely. I love that, Melissa. How do you think, Stephanie and Giovanni, like when you think of more business, more life and what impact we can make? with minority voices and and folks that are coming because it's one thing to come when you already have some wealth and make choices and there's still like good and bad on that but then to make choices when you start with very little or an extra adversity well several things come to mind but when we just think about building teams and ceos founders building their team and looking at their business and not just wanting to have the diversity numbers there, but thinking about bringing all the different perspectives and all the different experience to the mission and like what that could actually do in 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 the mission, like to help bring more of the clients that you want to attract in and and just to even have that growth and to have it like in a really special way. And I just keep the thing that keeps popping up for me is even just one of our core values, like of love, like leading with love and including everyone and everything and like how special that can really be. And so not just from the standpoint of like, what can that do for the revenue, but what does it actually do to the experience of building a business, serving clients, coming together as a team and, and just the experience of it all. I think that's just the importance of that. And just from that side of it is just what is really coming to mind for me. Unlocking that creativity and innovation in a way that maybe each person can't do, but the synergy of it all. Even just thinking about our team and how every different person that comes together makes something truly unique and how if it wasn't that way, if we didn't come from all these totally different backgrounds that we wouldn't be having the like the different realizations or the different ideas and, and the growth that we have. It's just, I mean, I think it's so important for so many reasons and that's how it should be. So much creativity comes from adversity. Because you have to solve the problem. And sometimes when you have more money, it slows down that creativity because you're like, oh, let's just throw more money at it. But sometimes just not having. Yeah. You get more creative when you don't have money, right? Right. Yes, you have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just, I mean, Stephanie pretty much hit it for me is just having people from different backgrounds. You think differently. You have different perspectives. Of, say we all grew up and we all went to Harvard and we're taught the same things and we're gonna have the same outlook on things and we're just gonna look at a situation relatively the same, right? Whereas we have people coming from different walks of life. You're just gonna have more, like Melissa said, that creativity, you're gonna have different ways of thinking. Like it's gonna solve problems in different ways because I think that's what's great in general about people is that we're different, 
right? Because if we were all the same, and we would just continue to have the same thing, then nothing would be innovated, nothing would change, it would just be the same. So that's what's amazing. But having different perspectives and those those experiences coming from any sort of walk of life, whether it's income-wise or just cultural-wise, just having those different things and kind of bringing back to what Stephanie just said about love, like it's different because a lot of cultures outside of the American culture are heavily based on love and family and close-knit relationships. Whereas here in America, we're not like that anymore, unfortunately. We might be coming coming back to it, but currently we're still kind of or just our nuclear family, just like our immediate family, right? And then it's, I mean, even myself included, we're here in California, all of our family, my wife's family is over in Utah. We see them like once a year kind of a thing, right? So I think having people from different cultures and different levels of economics, like it just changes the the overall feel, the overall dynamics, right? And I think it makes it better because then they can come at it. And one thing that most of you just said that really stuck with me because over this week I had a conversation with somebody about it was just a representation, like seeing yourself somewhere else, whether financially successful or whatever definition you have of success, but seeing somebody else that looks similar to you is a big thing for like myself. I never saw anybody like that looks like me, right? In business or anything like that. Now, now there's tons of people. It's amazing. And now that I'm a father and I have a daughter, like, and she's Hispanic and she's darker skin and like seeing, like, I want to have her have representation out there so that she knows that she can do whatever that she wants to accomplish. Right. I think it's, it's hugely important. Even just like we, we have a doll and it's of a lighter skin and we want to get her a doll that has a little bit more her skin tone, right? Just a, that representation kind of a thing. I truly believe it does absolutely matter that you see someone like you in the world doing the things you want to do in the world. I think it makes a huge difference to kids and and just people in general. Definitely. Well, just hearing what he was saying, I was even thinking to your point about the numbers and it's like, I don't think it's one or the other, like, okay, maybe we have some criteria and we have some requirements or like even just thinking about what just happened with the passing of Diane Feinstein and then wanting to put, what was her name? I was just trying to remember her name, LaFonza, LaFonza Butler into that role. And she's the only black female in the Senate and the first LGBTQ plus person. And I think it was important. So it might be like, okay, yes, we had this goal that we wanted to fill this with a certain type of person, but it's also important for that to be represented. Like you said, for somebody to be able to see that, for somebody to be able to break that glass ceiling or whatever and and what that means for for people of, of all different cultures to have that voice and to be able to see that something like that is possible. I mean, it's long overdue for sure. And still within it, like I saw something with David Chappelle, because I guess one of the airlines said, our number one priority is to hire female pilots, which is good. But then he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out, wait, it's not the best pilot. Like what do you want? Like, right. You know, like, so. Of course it is. Yeah, I, I know. And yeah, it also has to be that. But yes. Yeah. Of course, he's a comedian. Of course, he's a comedian. And he's taking it to the far end. But people get confused when that is. So that's why bringing that up just isn't you want the best for the job, but also the best candidate. Yeah. Yes. And and we there are um, a lot of people 
from all different walks of life that could be that. So it's both sides. It's both. It's both. Yeah. I think that's where the intentionality comes in. Because I remember this kind of transition after all of the deaths of George Floyd and everybody else. When it kind of came to this head, there was a lot of attention on recruitment. And we talk about recruiting But in a lot of cases, if you as a company don't make it an intention, then a lot of times you go, oh, I don't have time for that. I only have like three weeks to find somebody. So I'm just looking for whoever I can get as quickly as possible. But a lot of times you do have to be intentional about saying, okay, where am I recruiting? How can I expand that? What does my market reach actually look like, right? And I think that's where you start to see those benefits when you're when you shift your mindset into not just going fast, right? Yeah. Like our favorite proverb, don't just go fast, <laughs> go together. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to have an expression of gratitude right now for Pro Audio Voices. They're the ones that uh, produce my podcast. And Becky and her team are amazing. And for those of you that know me, I'm all about WOW clients, WOW partners, and Pro Audio Voices is a WOW partner for me. And if you want to learn more, you can go to ProAudioVoices.com and you can learn about them. They also do audiobooks, and they're just amazing people. Thank you, Becky. Well, and even Peter Drucker, who's a famous business coach, he said over and over and over, he said, hire slow, fire fast. And this goes back to wow clients, wow team. And it's the same thing. Like, so being aware and you so you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble when you're just trying to get a warm body. Like you're already in trouble. Like you're already going to like make mistakes and it's going to cost money. And this is where it gets the business metrics. Most likely a high chance you're going to have turnover because you're not picking the right person. So by taking the care up front and slow down and his philosophy was to work with less until you find the right person. So don't fill it and and scramble and then get the wrong person. And this goes back to bringing a whole nother layer of awareness of reach. How are we completely opening this up? And then it goes back to everything in this discussion because then we get all these different viewpoints and make the business better. And I, and just to touch on another point that's been brought up here is just like the love. This is where I think people get upset and I've seen it too much, too much right now where people say, I don't agree. And then they just shut down and that's not loving. That's not loving wherever you are in the world. Like you have to remember one thing, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, most likely highest chance you are a person that's trying to feed yourself and your family, period, period. And we get caught up in all of these things of who you are and what you do. And if you think that your way is right and someone else's way is wrong, well, that's all another thing because there's a lot less right and wrong and there's a lot more being. Just be who you are. But if you even want to see if you can share a new idea with someone, it's not going to start with shouting and it's not going to be starting with shutting doors and it's not going to start with, hey, I can't talk to you because you're not like me. It's not going to come from that. And so if you think you have a big idea of change in the world, the first thing you got to do is love the person you're talking to and be open to hear their voice and understand where they're coming from. And as I've done that, 
the older I've gotten and the more conversations I have, the root of it is, is people just want to be okay. They just want to be okay. They just want to be safe. They want to have meal. They want to feed their family. It doesn't matter what background they come from. The smell of their food and what it tastes like might be different, but ultimately it's the same principle. They're feeding their family. So if we can come back to those things and come back to love, and then the more business, more life, why is that important? Because when we have more life, one of the things, and Giovanni, you're bringing it up, like it's different here in America than other countries. And I think a big part of that is because we're in the rat race. You're go, go, go. How many people do I know that are working in stress? They're working in stress and they're so stressed. You barely get home. You stuff your face with whatever food you can get, most likely not a healthy choice. And so then you're getting sicker too. And then you get home and you pass out. And at what point in that do you get to know your neighbor? At what point do you feel like you have the energy to have a big discussion? So some of it is just like, oh, I see that you think something different than me. I don't even have the energy to discuss that. I'm just going to live in my own world. I'm going to park my car in the garage and I'm going to go inside. And then this just keeps going and going. So I'm passionate about more business, more life for so many layers. One, I want everyone here to have more abundance and more life at the same time. But then I'll never forget, I got off the stage and this didn't really come directly from me. This is like, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, a man came up to me after I was speaking and he said, do you realize how much you're helping people? And I was like, well, yeah, I do know people that tell me how it impacts life. He's like, I don't know if you, you figured it, you have it all. But he said, when you first start getting more busy, you have more abundance and more time, then you can start taking care of your family more. Then you can start being a better neighbor. Then you can start showing up civically. How many people will vote and they don't even read anything that they're voting for because they don't have time, right? So how many more things can you learn about? How many more discussions can you get in? How much change can you make in your local community when you have time? So we need this to notice other people. We need this to love other people. Then we need to lift other people up and we all need to have more time to do that, to be a good neighbor. Yeah, and then you can get involved in local initiatives, and other organizations, but it, it does start with kind of challenging your own biases, right? Because I think people get really comfortable. And so when a change is occurring, when you want more business and more life, usually there is some level of fear and being able to actually challenge yourself and seek out those opportunities to learn especially learn what you don't know, right? And literally identify what I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it, totally, Giovanni. Success does not feel normal. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, we all have more choice. And some people rise up. They have such a drive inside themselves. And other people, they need more hugs. They're not ready like that that little, that young Mexican boy that I said, like, if, if I wasn't, if I didn't go through that or I wasn't the speaker there, they could have went and saw the speakers and said, oh, that's great for all those people, but it's not going to work for me. And that's, that's where you're coming back to, Melissa. So then you can notice that in your own neighborhood, like, hey, who can I lift up? You know, what, what difference can I make? How can I be a big brother, big sister? And that takes time, right, Melissa? So even the people that are more wealthy in this country, they don't even have time. How many people? I was just at a business event. There's like 5,000 entrepreneurs and almost all of them that I saw on the stage and off. I'm talking people 
decamillionaires or more. Some of the people on stage were making a hundred million and then they're talking about how their life is miserable. Their family life was being destroyed, that they're needing therapy. And these are people that are very wealthy. And then you could go to the people that barely made it there. They have no money for lunch. They barely got to the event trying to make something different in their life. And there's struggle on both sides. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know what comes to mind, Melissa, is priorities. I mean, what is the priority? I think there's an illusion that if we prioritize money and making money, that will fix everything. I've seen too often too many millionaires that I know that are not happy. I've been in countries that are more lower income level. I read Factfulness and they really, this is in 2017, they said there's really only like six third world countries now. Like a lot of them are coming up. There's a lot of growth, but still they don't have the wealth that other larger countries have. And I've seen them happier than most of the people I know in the United States. Yeah. And so I think it's a choice to reprioritize, but it's not easy when you everyone around you goes back. Definitely a choice, but you also have to have access, right? So, I mean, we want to, we're, we're talking about a shift, not only in mindset, but in like how communities even create infrastructure, right? I mean, I mean, you're talking, everybody wants to be able to have the choice, should I say. And I think that's where the equality and the equity come in. It's like, how do we make sure that we can unlock that innovation and expand our horizons to create that more fulfilling world? Most actually, I'm glad you said that because that was, I was trying to figure out how to phrase it because I've been curious about it is the access, right? Because like, because in my head today, so I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I saw internet start becoming what it is today and now that we all have cell phones in our hands like i'm curious like what are your thoughts on on the the access that's currently available to traditionally communities that didn't have access to like knowledge because they say knowledge is power which is part of the equation but knowledge and taking action and that kind of stuff but like and i understand that we've talked about mindset too so we have this formula of we need a mindset shift on top of having the information to do it on top of the infrastructure, like you were saying. So I'm curious, cause like I was having a conversation with somebody, a woman who, who is of, I believe of like Indian descent from India. And so she's a woman of color. She's an entrepreneur. She's a mother. And we were talking about, this is the person I was talking about representation with, but then having access to it. Cause in my mind, I was like, well, a lot of us have access to it, right? Even kids in lower income families have cell phones now, right? Like that are, connected to the internet. And so I'm like, and, or there's like libraries that they can go to. Maybe they don't have libraries. Maybe they do. I don't know. A lot of people do have cell phones these days. And so I'm curious, like, cause that's how my mind says like, okay, that kind of shortens the gap a little bit. Obviously it doesn't take away a lot of stuff, but it does open the doors without having access to the information. Because what I've noticed recently is that the generations below me, the I'm a millennial. The generations below me are like taking leaps and bounds and creating businesses and making money off of things that you wouldn't have been able to make money off of 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? But they're having it and more and more people like Steve talked about that, that business conference that we just went to, like it talking about representation, you see more people starting businesses and making money and it starts opens up, opening up the doors and your mind to that stuff. So let me cut it off here then is like, 
So yeah, what is your, because you, you're way more into this than I am in the trenches of it. How do you feel about that access and that, and that point of view of like, okay, we have a, a component now that they have cell phones or some kind of technology that connects them to the, the internet, which then really opens the door because you literally can just Google whatever, right? And start getting information and start the, the domino effect of, of going down a different path kind of a thing. Does that make sense? There's no doubt that the internet and connectivity make a significant difference in leveling the playing field. However, I think that a lot of times, most of the time when you talk to people and they're saying, hey, everybody has access to the internet, they actually don't. And so there are lots of places in the United States that don't really have access to good internet, or if they do, it's really expensive. And I think we saw a lot of that with COVID where people were issuing iPads and computers for students to take home and do their work and all of those things. But even small business, when you think about where fiber is going and whether there are people on the other side of the tracks, we'll say, that don't have access to high speed fiber internet so that business can thrive on that side of the community versus the other side of the community. I mean, we still have a lot of in traditional infrastructure problems, which is why when, when municipalities are thinking about digital transformation, that they really need to be thinking about. And there's so many opportunities for us to just shift the way that we think about infrastructure and serving other people so that not only can they have more business, but they actually can have more life, right? Yeah. And I think that we can definitely do better to get more opportunities and more hands. And then also like we had two drivers on this trip that we went on and they were from Venezuela. And then they shared with us that if you're in Venezuela right now or in the last five years, and it's been that way for a while, he said that his family, only one person can eat per day. Only one family member can actually eat. They have to rotate who gets to eat. Most of the day, they don't have power. They'll be lucky if they get power for six hours a day to their house. So they can't even refrigerate things. So then you only can have whatever food you have for that day. You juxtapose that against like what access we have. So we can say that we have more access than a lot of other countries and other places. And I totally agree with you, Melissa. We absolutely can do it and that but i bring this up only because i think it has to the access has to be coupled with the mindset because like i just got to see eric thomas a lot of people call him et i don't know if you watched any of his speeches melissa but he was homeless in detroit he didn't finish high school he dropped out his family dropped out he followed his family's footsteps i think he said his dad I don't, I don't remember all the history, but I'm pretty sure his dad dropped out. Then he dropped out like that whole family lineage living a tough life. And he said he made a decision. So I think it is both, right? Because you can be in that spot. And then if you can do, and his whole speech was, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, you could be almost anywhere and change your life. Now, the difference is not everyone has that attitude, which obviously that's a mindset shift. And then, and then for some people, the climb is going to be even harder, right? Like, where are, are, are you coming from? So I think that's why I put those really close, like neck and neck to me, because you, there are people with access and they're sitting there 
So you have both. And then you have someone that really, really wants it and they're like hitting on things. So how can we give that person that really wants it more uh, roadway, right? Let's let's do it. They want to fly the plane, but there's no runway. How can we get runway? And then you have somebody that has a plane, runway and everything, and they're sitting there uh, crying. I mean, and they're both got stuff. They both need help. They both need hugs. Like, how can that happen? How can you see someone from extremely wealthy and then they're taking their life? And then you got that person over there that has nothing. And they're like, what are you doing? You just shot yourself. Like you had everything. Like, but they didn't, they didn't have, they didn't feel loved. Just throwing it all out there. Like it's could be all over this place. And so we need help on all sides for sure. I was going to say just even within the same family, right? And there's like stories of like twins, right? Coming from an abusive alcoholic family, father or whatever. One becomes quote unquote successful. The other one not follows his father's footsteps kind of a thing, right? It's like the decision you decide to make within it. So even within families, right? So yeah, going to extremes, it's, I mean, that's always, that's always been like a thing on my mind too, is like, cause you see people like, so Eric Thomas or like Jay-Z or like some of these people that have, that are now like famous and stuff like that, that came from very hard neighborhoods and childhoods and all that stuff to then like propel themselves into whatever they the achievements they have and not just those and those are the easy ones to see because they're entertainment right we're but like think about even the people who are in like academia and like become doctors and lawyers and scientists and and things of that nature right that we don't know necessarily they're not um, household names but they've done very similar right came from bad neighborhoods bad situations and they rose up to make something greater of themselves than what was expected right even the other speaker that we saw neo davis i think is i don't know can't say his person his full name but the same similar situation right eric thomas was his mentor right and then he like leveled up yeah um and he's a multi-millionaire now yeah like so because he fought he got access goes back to let's say he had access to et and then he had a mentor and someone to look up to and someone to guide him and then and then the success is prevalent I also think of Damon John, right? Like, is that that's the name, right? He's in the Shark Tank, right? Is that there's pictures of him when he started Fubu, like in his mom's house. And I think his story, his mom had like three jobs or something crazy. She was a single mom, and they were hustling. And there's pictures of him with sewing machines filling up his whole mom's house, but it was like tiny. And then the thing that I heard him because I got to speak at the same event as him, so we got to spend a little a few minutes together. His whole big thing was getting LL Cool J to wear one of his sweaters and take a picture with him. And then that changed everything. But there's, no, and that's no internet. This is way before that. I mean, that's just called the hustle, right? Like going and saying, I'm going to, I got to get someone to wear this shirt and, and take over your mom's house with like 18 sewing machines. And like, I, at some point you just got to do it. And that comes back to the mindset. So there are stories, And these are the stories we need to escalate to say, look, here's another kid. From the hood, no money, single mom, not even around her because all she's doing is making money so they keep a house. And then there's worse. They have even worse times than that. At least Damon John could get his hands on a sewing machine. What about the kids can't even get a sewing machine? I, I get it, Melissa. I'm with you. So 100%. And there are ways we can give more access. There's more ways. And that comes back to more business for life too. How many people are making money and they're just getting by? And if they could do better, then they could give more. They could be awakened to say, oh, how can I help the kids in my neighborhood? It's a circle. It's a big fat circle. But if we do it, we can go up and we're going to have ups and downs. As one of my mentors said is the, if the yo-yo is going upstairs, we're winning, right? It's going to go up and down, but 
if it's going up the stairs. So, yes, use your story. I think everybody has some story of adversity, whether it's just your own mindset you can't get out of your head, or whether there are specific things that how you grew up, your family, whatever. There's there's all sorts of things that people go through to get where they are, which is why it's so interesting to me to hear people's stories. Because as Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backward. So you have no idea what you have the opportunity to do to change the rules, to blow off the glass ceiling as you get up there. So, Well, can I add one more layer of depth to the mindset? It's how we talk about unconscious bias, and I think we can all relate. We've all had it. I mean, probably everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, at some point you're biased by your upbringing, all these things. But as I've studied psychology over the last decade plus, there are things, and Bert Hellinger took Virginia Satir's work and made it quite famous, and it's called Family Constellations. And in Family Constellations or systemic family patterns, and this can go to any systemic issue for that matter, but let's start with family, but you can also do it on society and a much larger picture. But in a family, there's a thing, and Carl Bukite, I know I'm popping a lot of names here, but I'm just giving credit to all this history of knowledge. But Carl Bukite coined this term called suffering obligation of love. And I think it needs to be said because this is something we don't... So there's an unconscious bias against who? Yourself! Yourself. You already are giving yourself limits, and it's unconscious. It's subconscious, as I like to call it, because it is consciousness. That's I I've, I know there's different terms. Unconscious kind of sounds like you hit your head and you're blacked out, right? To me. But the reality is it's subconscious. What that means to me is that's the operational system that's happening without our consciousness. It's on autopilot. It's like an automatic program, like breathing. You don't have to think about breathing all the every day. You can. You can concentrate on your breath for a second. But most of the time, you're breathing without knowing. The same thing with all these thoughts. These things are happening in the background. And that's why we call it unconscious. People call it, but I call it subconscious. It's in the subconsciousness. What happens is the suffering obligation of love, as Carl put it, goes back to Bert Hellinger's work. Bert Hellinger said, in a family of thieves, the one who does not steal is guilty. Think about that. And why does this happen? Why would someone feel guilty if they're the good one in the family? They're no longer going to go steal like their family did. But then they're guilty. They're guilty because that's how much our family system matters and how much we want to belong. Right? So then you want to belong so much that you will give up the good ambition that you want in your life. And you'll do this without even thinking about it. You can immediately self-sabotage without even knowing you're doing it. And I did it. I did it. As I told you, my family immigrated and they worked hard. And so there was a suffering obligation of any family member that didn't work hard. I'm talking work. I right, Melissa, this is in your family too. This is in your family system. A lot of our family system. And that's why even Giovanni always felt guilty. But he talks a lot about feeling lazy. That's because all of his family, they're immigrants too. And guess what? They're working their butt off too. And Giovanni's like, why am I the one who doesn't want to do this anymore? Like, hey. It doesn't seem like we have to do it this hard way. Did you guys know that there's like internet and computers and all like, 
or that we can do it an easier way. And even when you access computers, because I did have access to that, then I use that to work even harder. Because if I didn't, then I didn't belong. And so then now take that to your community, then take it to school. Why do you have kids that have, there's the kid, there's a Vietnamese young man that I, I grew up with in San Jose, California, and we definitely had some hood parts. People think it's Silicon Valley and there's all this opulence, but there's some bad spots in San Jose. And this kid came out of there and he was valedictorian in my, in my junior high, went into high school. He's going to be like amazing, super smart guy. But then he felt the obligation of his community and went and shot some kid in a convenience store being around other gang members and he went to jail. I don't even know where he is now, but he had all the way, like I even looked up to him like, man, this kid is super smart. And then he went, he had again, access to knowledge, was using it to make a better life. And then he, he fell into a system, right? These are all systems. And, and it's not just one thing. That's all I want to bring up. Like you might look at someone and this is where we have to bring love. You might look at someone and they're doing something awful. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know where they came from. You don't know what their parents were like or their grandparents. And you don't know how hard it was. And you don't know if there's murder or suicide in their lineage. And they're dealing with all kinds of traumas. Because what happens is we don't all know. But these systemic patterns happen on the small scale and the large scale. And so the first thing, that's why it comes back to love. We have to love everyone. We have to love thy neighbor, no matter what, no matter if we disagree, because chances are you have no idea what their family's gone through, no idea what they're doing right now. It could be anything. You could see them and see that they're in some level of poverty. You could see them and they have, it looks like they have everything. They have all the cars and the house, but they're like two seconds from being broke. You don't know what string they're holding. So start with love. And then we need to be open to help. And the only way we can do that is if we take care of ourselves. That's why I always say, stop worrying about the White House and start working on your house. And when you can work on your house, then you can help your neighbor. And then when you can help your neighbor, you can help your whole street. And when you can help your whole street, you can help your whole city. But it's one step at a time just to give a little procedure. And I've thought about this a lot. Believe me, I really have. And, and that's why I want to bring this mindset. So it's, I've seen people with access and then, and then they do nothing. Right. And then you see people with no access and then they do it because they don't let anything stop them. And so you can have stories like that. You could have the mindset was so strong. They came out of the hood with nothing, nothing. And they made it. And then you get a song with all the access and they're in jail. So what if we put both together? What if we help people with their mindset and we get them access? What kind of country could we live in? What kind of world could we live in? That's love. That's love. That is awesome. That's, that seems like the perfect place to stop. <laughs> I was just like, drop the mic. I really, I really love you all. And I really love everyone. And I, and I wasn't always this way. Just to say that too. I definitely had judgment in my heart. There are people that my family were mad at. There are people that I grew up thinking were bad because other family members were hurt by them. And then when, when I started to become more educated, then I realized it's not one way. It's not one thought. So I hope that, and thanks, Melissa, for spearheading this episode. It makes me emotional. I'm a bit emotional. I don't know how you all are, but I know we can live in a better place. And I know we can make a difference. And if you're listening to this, please share what your biggest takeaway was. We really want to hear from you. 
And if you think this is impactful for your life, then then the second thing I would say is to share it. Share it with others. Let's share this word. And let's make things better. That's one way you can help your neighbor. Just share these thoughts. I appreciate everyone listening. And until our next episode, remember to choose gratitude and create freedom. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenoplaton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenoplaton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenoplaton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.